0: Nine eight nine. The Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is seven one three zero seven, and uh, I am streaming live on the W O R D Facebook page, X page, and Rumble, if that's your thing. A lot of talk right now about uh, DeSantis, how uh, his poor showing in the Iowa caucus. Destroyed his future. He's not ready for prime time. A robotic personality was exposed. He's just too unlikable. One thing that I don't think anybody... uh, And maybe some of you have. And if you have, I, I get it. You know, Trump gets to run as an incumbent on this thing. As far as on the Republican side. He was the guy that had the election stolen from him. So... He gets to run as the Republican, and uh, you know all that election denier nonsense. Uh, notwithstanding uh, that, that's sort of a uh, that's sort of a leg up on the race. Another thing is that in a few months, nobody's going to care, and nobody's going to be talking about DeSantis's poor performance. And in a few years, nobody's even going to think about it. DeSantis looked at this, and he he was either thinking Trump would step step aside because of his legal troubles, or that Republicans were ready to move on to a more stable, competent, and traditional candidate, in his mind, Uh, and it's still early, but the uncomfortable truth is that there is nothing that DeSantis did or didn't do that would have mattered. At running as an incumbent, Trump has a built-in party loyalty. Voters have already seen the incumbents win. There's name recognition in Trump. No matter what he does, is at the center of the political universe. So Trump, instead of running for the for the uh, you know instead of running for the nomination, he ran for the general election. He decided he wasn't going to debate the Republicans and, he, and, and moderate some of his positions. He would, he would sit and watch Haley and DeSantis and Ramaswamy and Christie and Hutchison and all these other guys just drop bombs on each other. And fair or not, that was a brilliant campaign strategy. It makes complete sense. And the notion that debates could have sunk Trump with our Republicans is also sort of wishful thinking. To one extent or the other, politicians play by rules, either ones that, you know, somebody else sets for them or ones they set for themselves. Uh, Trump plays by the rules of the WWE, which is to say he sort of makes it up as he goes. And even if DeSantis devastated Trump in a debate, that would have only made a marginal difference. Because at this point, there is nothing Trump is going to say that's going to shock anybody. <laughs> we are used to this. We have, become, uh, we have become enamored with the bluntness of the former president. His support is predicated on a unique loyalty to a man. Not so much any mission, although I am in on his mission. But the man is the only one undertaking the mission. Now, one thing that uh, DeSantis didn't do is he did not go after uh, the obvious shortcomings that Trump had as a first-term president. And, um, you know, and listen, this was his first foray into politics. I I didn't expect him not to make make mistakes. I did expect him to uh, be a faster learner. But on some things, he was absolutely superb. On other things, you know, maybe not so much. But the thing about DeSantis is that DeSantis did not go all in on some of this stuff. If you're going to run, run, and you know all is fair in this. This is this is not one of these things where they get out there and this this is the time when everybody beats up on everybody. Trump would not think twice about beating up on anybody on a, on a podium. It's not personal. This is just the business of politics. But this was even. That, that wasn't going to change DeSantis' fortunes. He was running somewhat close to Trump when uh, District Attorney Alvin Bragg indicted the former president at the end of March. And then Trump really took off. Any criticism of Trump at that point gave the impression they, that you were rooting for the former president's prosecutors, or persecutors, rather. His victimhood solidified the belief that not only did he deserve another shot, but winning would be the best revenge. And because the Democrats don't understand that when you have dug the holes, quit digging. When you're in the hole, quit digging. They kept on digging, and they have just kept perpetuated the, the momentum that he has. If Trump were not running, DeSantis would probably be leading the GOP field right now. There, I, I do not see any problems at all with a President Ron DeSantis out there. just because he's not out there and he's not boisterous and he's not some of these things and he's he's actually a little more uh, almost clinical doesn't mean that he would not be a very good president. And at some point soon, like in about after South Carolina, at some point DeSantis will probably endorse Trump and all's gonna be good. Because Trump values and rewards nothing more than loyalty to him. And uh, this time he's going to have to demand it because last time he didn't get any of it. And just as the anti-Trump forces delude themselves into believing that they convince us to abandon the former president with some sort of clever argument, the Trump, uh, the Trump base seems to think the MAGA success will extend beyond Trump. So, the idea that uh, that we're going to look at Trump coming to the general and he's going to lose the general because he's Trump to Biden is, uh, is not going to fly. It's simply not going to fly. But also, the idea that DeSantis' political career is over, oh no, we should be sitting back and going, I can't wait for the next time he runs because he will be a good one he will be a splendid president and he does he does he does much the same thing that Trump does except without some of the flair and swagger and all the other stuff he's he's just as effective as Trump would be as Trump has been he's been as effective in Florida fighting things like Disney i mean that that you know nobody in Florida fights Disney but he did who else in the United States has removed a Sorosian DA for not keeping up with the job? Who, who else besides him has done that? So he would be a great president. I would love to see him as president. I think he probably came into this too early, but at the same time, he's, he's served. He, he has served, and we, 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 now he has more name recognition. Now people know who he is the next time around. I know who isn't going to be president, but I know who probably will be president the next time he runs as well. When we get back, um, how do you feel about somebody doing your brain surgery because they were hired as a diversity hire? How, how do you feel about your brain surgeon being hired because they checked the boxes? This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. All right. I see you doomers on the text line. Everybody's already making the sign of the cross and everything. <laughs> GS Plumbing Talk line is 1 800 905. No, excuse me. 1 800 905 0989. Yeah. And the Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is 71307. And we're streaming now on the WORD Facebook page, the WORDX page, the WORD Instagram page, And the WORD Rumble page. That's a lot of pages. I have resolved in my mind's eye not to fly anymore. I'm not going to fly on an airline anymore. And I had my own reasons. Now that I'm looking at some of the things they're about to do, uh, definitely never going to get on a plane again. Because now... They're going to be hiring pilots based on diversity, equity, and inclusion. So who do you want piloting the jet ladder you're on? The graduate of Top Gun or the graduate of some correspondence school that just happens to be female with a missing one arm and, you know, maybe some minority race and, you know, just checking all the boxes. Medical schools are graduating bevies of DEI doctors as the decade unwinds. Uh, What if you need open heart surgery? See, when I had open heart surgery, I had the teacher of the students at Greenville Hospital doing it. That's who I want. I want, uh, you know, I want, I want the best. What about cancer treatment? Don't you want a good oncologist to make a good diagnosis, a sound diagnosis? Are you going to have the most case? And I've had a bad physician attend to me, and that can be very dangerous. So, are you going to have to settle, though? Are you going to have to settle for somebody that's the right color, the right gender, the right sexual orientation? Pick your pronouns, person, in a white lab coat. Because now, the new rule of thumb is incompetence. We've already got that from lax parenting and the subpar education and trophies for just showing up, and a debauched culture that discounts hard work and competence, and you can forget about excellence. You don't. It's not a meritocracy anymore. But then, just on those things alone, that's bad enough. When you add DEI, now you've got a corrosive layer being added to it, and uh, people are getting degrees and certifications for superficialities, merit is a bad word standards are being dropped in too many instances and exceptions made victimhood now that's the thing victimhood that's progressive social reform victimhood incompetence resulting from these policies you know it you know so like if you go into lululemon and you're buying some pants today and they have a diversity hire well it's probably going to be aggravating right But if you go into the hospital (laughs) with a sucking chest wound, and you have somebody that is the same sort of diversity hire there, now things are going to get dangerous. So on January 14th, the the FAA believes that passenger safety is best served by hiring from special emphasis categories hearing vision missing extremities partial paralysis complete paralysis epilepsy severe intellectual disability psychiatric disability and dwarfism like Stephen Hawking Stephen Hawking was one of the great minds out there but do you think Stephen do you think Stephen was smart enough to know but I can't pilot a plane are they seriously going to hire people with complete paralysis United Airlines is the DEI leader they are the airline industry world champion of DEI and a hard landing incident in Houston last July result may have resulted from pilot error and see these 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 planes have these airframes that you know it's sort of like your car frame it it needs to stay intact Well, they did significant damage to this 767. The only reason that didn't go really viral was because nobody got hurt. And we get this from something called BPR. Was it the airplane acting up or was the pilot at fault? According to conservative activist Astrid St. Clair, it may well be the second one. She claimed the pilot was a DEI hired who'd failed multiple trainings but been hired anyway because he or she had checked the right identity boxes. was the the co-pilot, a former flight attendant who was fired, then rehired through United's DEI program despite being on a list to not return to United, she wrote in her tweets. Am I correct that this individual failed multiple trainings, including simulator training? Am I also correct that United has covered up this DEI disaster and many others? And uh, they they have a full webpage um, devoted to their efforts to being Purpose driven and action oriented in building a culture of greater inclusion and belonging to better reflect the diversity of the communities we serve. Now I don't know about you, but when that dude is pulling back on that yoke and this plane is rotating and I'm taking off into the friendly skies, I want a dude, you know, I want Flash Gordon. I want somebody out there that, you know, I, I want Luke Skywalker. I want somebody who knows how to fly the thing. I don't care what he looks like, I don't care what boxes he checks, I want a pilot. T.C. Keenan, a journalist and author, posted at X on January 9th. Getting DMs from Pilot World confirming that things are bad. This one is really scary. The boomers really are our thin veneer of civilization. As they peel off, so will the veneer. (laughs) And uh, Keenan reports that airlines have informal programs teaming unfireable DEI problem children with seasoned pilots. And as these pilots retire every flight will then become a roll of the dice then we get something from the jerusalem post reported that 44% of medical schools boast tenure and promotion policies that specifically reward faculty scholarship on dei now i don't want to i don't want to seem alarmist here okay i don't want to be alarmist here but uh, there's certain professions out there that should only be manned by people who are actually really good at it manned or whatever whatever term you want to use occupied perhaps it's not about sex you know it, it really isn't I mean I, I I have dealt with many females over the course of time Lieutenant Christina Glover that lady gosh she was a spark plug she was dangerous West Point graduate airborne working in military intelligence some some of the stuff she did. Uh, one time something happened and she snatched something out of my belt and fired it at a bunch of other officers, a live flare because they had done something that in real combat would have gotten us killed. And they were over there checking their hair. So that's the kind of, I would have followed that lady to hell, you know, lead, lead Lieutenant. I am your guy. So meritocracy goes a long way. So Resources with health care, you know, they're not finite. Resources with pilots that know what they're doing, they're not finite. or they're not infinite rather. But um, 1989, according to the Heritage Foundation, was the watershed year in the rise of cultural Marxism from which DEI springs from. The other part is big government. The welfare state was supposed to lift disadvantaged minorities out of poverty. Instead, what we get now is generational poverty that follows. There you go. I want a Sully piloting a plane. Yes. Yes, that's who I want. I want a guy that looks out there and says, haven't got no engines. Just took on two birds. No problem. How many people I got on? 3,000. No problem. I'm putting it down in the Hudson. Well, you could land over here. Now that's not going to work. I can't make it. I'm putting it in the Hudson. Watch this. And he tells his little junior pilot over there. Now, watch this. This is how you water ski an airliner. And he did it because he was competent. So, the game being played now is for higher stakes than most of us are, are going to appreciate. They trash merit with DEI, and that's critical. It's critical to our liberty and welfare. We have plenty of fellow travelers and useful idiots all over the place, and they prattle on about afterlives of slavery They're paid to be mob enforcers of a protection racket. They wind up demeaning the very people they claim to help. If you're going to advance, don't you want to advance on merit? But you know what? If I'm at 30,000 feet or under a scalpel, I had better have somebody that has the bona fides to be doing what they're doing. Coming up next... January the 6th. I know one of the attorneys fighting this battle. Her name is Paloma Capana. She's going to be joining us next. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD. Ah, gosh. You doomers. You doomers, kill me. Are you just going to dig a hole and climb in and cover yourself with it? All text line and 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 the in the chat room and everything else. They, oh, well, this is this is doom and this is that. Whatever. Okay, fine. GS Plumbing Talk line is one eight hundred nine zero five zero nine eight nine. Common Sense Retirement Planning text line is seven one three zero seven. My guest, if she listened to you, she would not be doing what she's doing. But she's undertaking the hard work because she's never going to quit either. Her name is Paloma Capana, attorney at law. Good morning.
1: Good morning, Bill. How are you? I'm a little
0: steamed right now. I got a bunch of people right now that are listening, and at the same time, they're like, oh, well, if this happens, we're doomed. Come we on. are doomed.
1: I'll you be th- surprised if there's a country in two years' time. You think
0: we're doomed too, Paloma? Come on now. You wouldn't be doing what, you, <sighs> what you're trying to do if you believe that.
1: Truth. Absolutely truth. I couldn't okay. agree with you more.
0: Tell me what, tell everybody what you're doing right now. I'm just
1: just faking you out. I'm just faking you out because I'm with you on the naysayers. Listen, democracy requires energy. Democracy requires us to participate and to do what we can. And you and I are blessed, Bill. We are having our first legal partnership. And we are going to make our voices heard at the United States Supreme Court through the submission of an amicus brief.
0: Go ahead and tell them what you're talking about. Give them a little detail to that one, if you would.
1: Sure. So amazing little detail in our judicial process allows ordinary people to make their voices heard through something called an amicus brief. That's a friend of the court. And what it means is that somebody, in looking at a case pending before the United States Supreme Court and examining the record below, thinks to themselves, hmm, the lawyers, though they are, have missed something. Let me put together that something and get it to the judges so that when they make their decision, they don't miss out on that something. I think that's the easiest way I can describe it. So right. it lets me as a lawyer and you as a citizen jump in to a case in progress and offer our two cents up. To help out on a particular issue in a particular case
0: and you have filed an amicus brief on what
1: i've filed amicus briefs before several times both to circuit courts and to the u.s supreme court this case that you and i are looking at is fisher versus united states and mr joseph fisher is one of the defendants with allegations pending charges pending relating to the events of January 6th at the U.S. Capitol.
0: Which now they're saying they're going to go after you if you were just out there having, having a sandwich in the grass. They're, they're, they're looking for everybody out there now. Can't, can't tell you where all the terrorists are they've led across the border, but they're going to hunt down all these people. Uh, why well, is this are. important to do this?
1: Wow, where to start with why that's important. (laughs) Let's start with the unobvious reason why it's important. It's because almost nobody is willing to put their name on anything voluntarily concerning January 6th because the U.S. DOJ and the Biden administration has instilled so much fear in the minds and the hearts of ordinary Americans that almost the entire country is waiving their First Amendment rights constitutional rights, civil rights, is waiving their legal rights under the U.S. Supreme Court rules to submit these amicus briefs. So I'll give you a compare contrast that will help the listeners really drive this point home. Sure. In the recent 2022 U.S. Supreme Court decision of NYSERPA versus Bruin, that's New York State Rifle and Pistol Association versus Bruin, right. key Second Amendment case, more than 100 100 amicus briefs went in for the case of Fisher v. U.S. on their petition for certiorari to the United States Supreme Court covered by the media. One. One. Amicus brief. Yours. One. No. No? Okay. Because, Because I had other timing going on in another case that I have in federal court, so didn't submit. And I... I assumed, I assumed that people would jump in, that lawyers, hello, nationwide, would rise up and file amicus briefs, so imagine my dismay when I saw one, so thank goodness the United States Supreme Court accepted cert on December 13 and uber-fast-tracked it, so the defendants Merit's briefs are due January 29. I mean, this is like being on the Audubon for attorneys. I know, you know, for <laughs> Americans sitting out there, they're like, well, you know, December 13 to January 29. Oh, that's weeks. You know, a lawyer yeah. can do that. No, it, it takes hours, hundreds of hours yep. to put together a good brief, whether it's amicus or merits. So this case is fast-tracked. Our amicus brief, it will be due within seven days of the filing of the defendant's brief. And then we'll see when the oral arguments are going to be heard. Those will live stream from the U.S. Supreme Court. You can listen to them. Kevin and I are thinking we're making our first trek to the building, to the temple of the U.S. Supreme Court. Right. It is open to the public. You can go and listen to these oral arguments. Dude. The first January 6th case before the Supreme Court.
0: Just just uh just to put some context into this, do we know any of the people that are signed on to your amicus brief?
1: Uh we do. It does include Doc Savage of W Y S L in upstate New York. Yep. I think that that's one of the colleagues and I believe your show is heard on WYSL. Yep. And uh does also include other persons who are getting in their paperwork and as soon as the paperwork's in then I can release that list. It's a well, public filing. But People will be able to read the brief and find it on my website.
0: I'm on it as well, right?
1: Oh, yes, absolutely. Yeah. Yes, yes. That's where so, I started our I, conversation. I, 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 so, yes. ch-
0: I was given a chance to wave the red flag, so I said, yeah, let's wave the red flag, shall we? So I will be in on this as well to a degree. And we will be following up with that, so Paloma's going to be, she's taking time off from her antique shop that she started in beautiful Beaufort, North Carolina, and she's gone back into the into the barrister thing she's litigating again. So you're going to have to stay with me and let me know how this goes. Absolutely. You can't hang up today, but I mean later on, you know, we, you know checking in with me, that kind of thing. You don't have to stay on hold
1: the whole time. No, 100%. We've been (laughs) talking for three years about these issues, Bill, and from a very early show, I believe we did in February 2021, I complained that this particular charge brought by the U.S. DOJ, at that time it was against defendant Thomas Caldwell, one of the alleged oath keepers, was bogus. That it was completely fraudulent. That the U.S. DOJ was claiming that 18 U.S.C. section 1512C2, they claimed it said obstruction of Congress, and it doesn't. They simply made that up. So here we are, three years later, and the good folks, uh, particularly at the Federal Public Defender's Office, who are defending a number of the J6 defendants, have gotten that issue before the U.S. Supreme Court. So, phew, let's hope that they are on their toes, because if the U.S. Supreme Court does find that this is an incorrect Obama, charge, there 300 defendants affected.
0: I have run out of time. We'll stay in touch with you. Thank you for joining me today.
1: Thank you, Bill.
0: <laughs> oh goodness gracious! The GS Plumbing Talk Line is one 800 989 Write that down, Bob, in the chat room if you'd be so kind to make a phone call. Gosh, I, I, I love it when people get out there and go. I'm just being a realist, Bill. I'm just being a realist. I'm so much more superior than you. You're out here talking all of this, uh, you know, all this optimistic stuff. I'm being a realist. I read the tea leaves. Good for you. Go cl- b- dig a hole, climb in. Cover yourself over. I don't want to, you know, you're going to be in the way. The Midwest. Right now, we're having a cold snap. What, well, we had it in the teens today. Chicago. Well, they, they, they're they always cold, even when we're not. And uh, they had a low in the negative uh, 20s and 30s and a high of one the other day. And at the local uh, confab where all of the electric vehicles, all the Tesla chargers are, well, Those things were not working. And anybody that is in Chicago that has said, well, my one car is going to be an electric car because I believe in in saving Gaia. I believe in saving the planet. It's going to become a burning ball of fire if I don't do this. Well... You absolutely are not contributing to CO2 because not only are you not driving an internal combustion engine car, but neither are you driving your electric vehicle because it will not charge. Which means, at best, an electric car is only as good as the climate it's sitting in. The zone. In a temperate zone, I would think it'd be okay. I would think it'd be okay. But in Chicago... Public charging stations are just sitting there, and now it looks like an apocalyptic sort of scene where everything's frosted over and everything. They look, they've, been, they've been abandoned. A guy named Tyler Beard, he said, nothing, no juice, still on 0%. And he, 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 he was out there three hours trying to charge it one day after he'd been out there the day before trying to charge it for three hours. And they're at the Tesla supercharging station in Oak Brook. And there, it is. The scene is repeated over and over again with abandoned cars at scores of other charging stations around the Chicago area. Tesla owner Chalice Mizell says this is crazy. It's a disaster. Seriously, I'm going uh, to. was forced to abandon her car and get a ride from a friend when it wouldn't charge. Probably an internal combustion engine car. Uh, another man summed up the, the situation. He said, "We got a bunch of dead robots over here." This is not really crazy, you know. We, we've seen this before. This kind of this kind of a charging system. In order to make this work, uh, first of all, for the battery to charge, it has to actually get up to normal operating temperature. How do you do that when it's dead? <laughs> I mean, it would be helpful. It would be helpful if you were in a climate where it was, you know, in the fifties, because then you, it's 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 going to you know over time it will charge even though it may be slower. But if you live in an area prone to a bitter winter, you're not making a very good choice if you're going to opt for a battery-powered car. And when that choice yields a disaster, I mean, this is not, this is not something that we just discovered last week. A guy, uh, one EV owner had to leave his Tesla at O'Hare, had to pay to have his vehicle towed by a diesel-powered truck to a working charging station. So, I mean, listen, um, like I have said, I've said this many times, the electric car is cool. It may very well be the way of the future. The electric car as it is set up today in the technology we currently have, which is very cool, no doubt about it, is also not a mature technology. And it only works in ideal conditions. And is this going to be? Is this going to kill the electric vehicle fad? I don't know. But it's it's a definite stain on the reputation of battery powered cars, no doubt about it. But all that being said, uh, I, I can't believe that this is a thing where they're out there going. I, I can't believe this is happening. It's so crazy. No, it isn't. Somebody on the tech. Now that you should just stop. A guy on the text line is going. Bill a claw hammer to the battery. We'll warm it up. Oh, it will get so warm, won't it? So will the cars. Are, you know, 15 feet away too, because that, because of that, uh, <laughs> that thermal runaway you're gonna cause there. How? 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 Is that the language of hate? I don't know. Take a claw hammer to the battery to warm it up. Actually, true though. They bought electric cars because the earth is too warm. That's right. They sure did. They they bought it. They, they buy this hook, line, and sinker. Now, right now, in Davos, the eggheads and the pencil necks are all together sitting there deciding on how you're going to live your life. So, we're going to talk about what they're deciding this time around. And also, we're going to talk about, uh, somebody asked me the other day, who is Klaus Schwab? I don't really know, so I looked. And I still don't really know altogether how much, too many details about the guy, but it, I've got an interesting parallel for you to consider about old Klaus, which could be the death knell of the World Economic Forum. Right here. We'll be right back. This is News Talk 98.9 WORD, the voice of the Carolinas.